if the Lord will help me, I want to preach on what we need out of Isaiah chapter number 6. Isaiah chapter number 6. Um, I was curious how many times I've preached out of this particular chapter. Matter of fact, out of most of these verses that I'll read today, and uh, Lori tends to take notes uh, and, and write things in her Bible. And uh, I know of at least six different messages that I've preached out of this passage. And um, uh, she has four of them uh, written there. So I don't, she's probably backslid the other two. I'm not real sure where she was at. But um, I, to my knowledge, I've preached this one time uh, up in Knoxville. I don't believe I've ever preached it here. Um, but throughout the week, I've been been praying that God would give me a message for for this church. And uh, really since, I guess, Valentine's Day and then um, on um, Wednesday, I thought some about it. And and then throughout the, the, the last part of the weekend, just been an overwhelming thought, um, mostly that was pressed through social media and um, different things happening in different areas of our country. Uh, different claims of the movings of God and, and I really got, um, sidetracked by some of those things and really began to pray and I thought about preaching, uh, about, uh, some things surrounding that. If you have questions about it, I'd be happy to talk to you, but, um, just, just thought about addressing, um, I'll just say it, revival, um, in our church today. Um, but God never would give me liberty in that. And so as, as I began to try to, to get the, the outward thoughts where they belong outside of my mind and really focus on what God wanted, um, I, I come right back to this particular passage. And this probably of all scripture, if there's one passage that I love to go to, it's this passage. And it could be because Isaiah saw the Lord high and lifted up. That could be why it's so important to me. It could be because he said, woe is me. It could be because he heard the voice of the Lord. Or it could be because he said, here am I, send me. I really don't know why this particular passage is so important to me, but all I can say is that it is. And so if the Lord will help me today, I want to try to preach on what we need here out of Isaiah chapter number 6. Verse number 1, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and His train filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphims, each one had six wings. With twain he covered his face, and with twain he covered his feet, and with twain he did fly. And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the post of the door moved at the voice of him that cried, and the house was filled with smoke. Then said, I woe is me. For I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then flew one of the seraphims unto me, having a live coal in his hand, 
which he had taken with tongs from off the altar with the tongs. Verse 7, And he laid it upon my mouth and said, Lo, this hath touched thy lips, and thine iniquity is taken away, and thy sin is purged. Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? Then said I, Here am I, send me. Let's pray. Dear God in heaven, again, we come to you today. We thank you, Lord. Lord, you've answered my prayer. I felt your presence in this place today. God, I thank you for that. And God, we pray now that you would just help us to preach your word. Lord, hide us in yourself. God, I pray that the words that would be spoken would be from you. God, I ask you, Lord, as I get maybe sidetracked or I begin to, to preach of my own self, Lord, I pray that you would silence those things. And I ask that your will and your desire be done today. Lord, help us as only you can. Father, I pray that you would help us to see you today. In Jesus' name, amen. So again, I, I, I will at least start preaching this thought, what we need. Verse number one, it mentions the king of Uzziah. We'll just kind of go down through it. It mentions Uzziah. Uh, you can look over in Second Kings and you can find uh, Amaziah. He, this is the same same man. Amaziah and Uzziah are the same person. And uh, he was, of course, a king of Judah. He was a godly man. Uh, he did the things that he was supposed to do. Um, he was influenced by the prophet Isaiah. Uh, and uh, he did mostly good in the sight of God. As far as we can tell, the one thing that he did not do was to take down what the scripture says, the high places. And, and those high places, or sometimes you'll read about the groves. Um, those were the places that were built on, on, uh, high mountains where, uh, prophets of Baal and worshipers of Baal would go and they would worship false gods or those groves where quite literally they were groves of trees and they would go into those groves and they would, uh, outcrop a place and they'd begin to meet and worship. And for whatever reason, Uzziah did not take the time to remove those things. Now, if I if I remember right, he he was the king for about sixteen years. I could be wrong in that, um, but in in doing that and in his success as a king, uh, over in Second Chronicles, I believe it is verse number, or chapter twenty six, it talks about his pride being his undoing. And in pride, he was so excited about his success in military might and as being a king and following God. And, and let me just stop right here and say, you can be prideful even in religious things. That's evident. That's why they had Pharisees and things of that sort. That's why we oftentimes are called holier than thou or Pharisees or legalists is because we get prideful in our belief and we begin to dictate to others how they should feel about certain things. And so I'm, I'm trying to stay on task this morning, Brother Kirk, but I'm around, popping up everywhere. But uh, we do need to be careful. We, we should be praying that God shows us His will. And when He does that, we should be following His will. Yeah. But in following His will, we should be in humility. But when that humility turns to pride, which is what happened to King Uzziah, he began to take on a position that was not his own. 
And in Second Chronicles chapter 26, you find that he grabbed a censer and it was filled with incense and he decided that he was going to go into the temple and offer that to God. That was not his place. Matter of fact, I believe it was 80 priests came against the king and rebuked him publicly and and forced him not to enter into the temple because they knew that God would kill him. So he still in his pride, he began to try to uh, to to press back on that. And in doing so, God smote him right then and there with leprosy in his head. Now, reading through and some of you have, have kind of gotten into this over the last several days of reading that leprosy, those bright spots. And uh, it, it essentially says if you have a bright spot in the head, you're dead. If you have leprosy in your head, that, it, that, that Brother Jody, you would say that's a wrap. And so God put this leprosy in, in 2 Chronicles 26 in his head. And he knew that that was a death sentence and he knew that the reason why he received that was because he was disobedient, because he was prideful. But even in that, he still had some more good years in him. But we come now to Isaiah chapter number 6. And in verse number 1, Uzziah now has died. And if you're wondering, he died in that same condition of being a leprous man. God did not remove that. And I believe that's a statement that we can say today is disobedience to the Lord is a very serious thing. There are a lot of folks today that they, and God forgives. Somebody say right there, amen. God forgives. Praise the Lord that He does. But there are a lot of folks that think, well, I can just disobey God and, and then ask for forgiveness later and it'll be alright. And, and while that may be true, Brother Samuel, that may not always be the case. You may step over a line and God says, that's it. Judgment has fallen and you die in that disobedient state. Or at least you die with that scar of disobedience that never goes away. Isaiah, though, is disturbed by the death of, death of this king. I really believe that Isaiah, uh, in a sense, he had it easy. He was the nation's priest. He was the nation's prophet, if you will. And his job was easy because the king was godly. And while the king was godly, the majority of the people were godly. And so he didn't have to go and say a lot of uh, things to critique or criticize or to uh, um, to correct the people. And I told you that he reigned for 16 years. He actually reigned for 15 years. He started 52 years. He started when he was 16. But in his death, it signaled a time of prosperity and consistency that now would be broken. For 52 years, he reigned and all was well. And Isaiah... Chapter number 6, we see that now something had to change. I believe it was a time of uncertainty for Isaiah. Notice it says, in the year that King Uzziah died, and he uses this word, I saw also the Lord high and lifted up. It seems to me, and I don't want to be too critical to Isaiah, but it seems to me that even though we're in chapter number 6, 
There's six chapters that have progressed up to this point. It seems as though he's been speaking what he's learned. He's been speaking the things that he knows is right, but it's been a while since he's heard from the Lord. He said, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord high and lifted up. I just want to, again, in passing, know that God may remove things from your life or maybe even people from your life for a reason. And that reason could be so you can see the Lord. Isaiah now was in a time where he had to figure out what was right. He had to figure out, he had to rediscover, if you will, what needed to be done. The focus so far for Isaiah was on the righteous king. He was looking, Brother Kenny, at the king instead of at God. Uh, I believe it's Kyle Yates, maybe his name. Kyle Yates, he said there was very little religious depth. The moral fiber was gone. Ethical standards were low. And prophets had no message of value, even if they wanted to help spirituality. The thing that held Isaiah's attention was now removed and he had a fresh encounter with God. I mentioned this, I think it was Wednesday night or maybe I thought about it. I I don't remember. But at least I thought about the word rededication. How many many in church has heard the term rededication? That is not a word we hear an awful lot anymore. I mean, when's the last time you saw someone... When's the last time you saw someone come to the altar and get saved? But I believe it's been even longer than that since you've seen someone come down and rededicate their life to God. There was a time in, in my growing up that people uh, frowned upon that, that phrase. And, and I always thought it was strange then. I still think it's strange now. Because it may do us good. And, and, and it may, let me finish this, it may do us good to rededicate our lives not to man or to men, but to God. It's wonderful to be dedicated to the house of God. It's wonderful to love the the man of God. But let's rededicate our lives to God. And so as as I think about this, I almost feel as though Isaiah is at that point of rededication. He is to that point where he has to realize that he may not have been wrong, but he wasn't necessarily right. And so he had to see the Lord and God removed Uzziah from his vision so that he could truly see God and he could uh, um, reveal his need for rededication. The, The times like this, when things don't go the way that we expect them to go, when they don't go the way that we plan, when it seems as there's a loss that's so real in our lives, they can grow us or they can ruin us. Think about that for a moment. They can grow us or they can ruin us. And I believe the choice depends on what has our attention. Let's notice number one this morning. I I know I'm not going to finish this message. Uh, Just a matter of when I will finish it will be the question. I want us to notice number one, talking about what we need. 
Number one, we need to see what Isaiah saw. We need to see what Isaiah saw. As I mentioned in verse number one, I saw also the Lord high and lifted up. He saw God's position. Now, again, I'm going to use a word that we don't use a whole lot, and that is the word sovereign or sovereignty. He saw God as sovereign. He's been looking up to the king of Judah. The king of Judah, guess where he was the king of or over? Judah. At that time, there was a king of Israel. Okay? Right now, we have a king in England. He can't tell us what to do. The king of Judah couldn't tell anybody else what to do. But it took the king of Judah to be removed from the focus of Isaiah so that he could see the Lord God Almighty as the sovereign king. And this word sovereign means that he is Lord Overall, there are no boundaries to his dominion. And so he saw God as sovereign. Now, this earthly king may have died, but the king, the Lord, the king of all heaven still reigned. Not only did he see God in his sovereignty, but he saw him in his glory. It had a profound effect on Isaiah's life. When life does seem to fall apart, I want us to know that God is still in control. Now, that's easy for me to say because it's been so long since I've suffered a loss of someone in my family. But I I know from past experience that God is still in control. There's There's been years since I've been really physically hurt to the point where I needed some sort of major physical help. Stanley, up until recently, you were a healthy fellow. Never have been pretty to look at, but you've been a healthy fellow. But back in November, it's all the way back in September. Oh my goodness. Back in September... You got to that point where you could not do for yourself. You could not reach in your back pocket and pull out a $20 bill to pay for something that you needed. You could not get in your vehicle and go down the road to get whatever your heart desired. You could not, for months, you could not pick up the phone and carry on a conversation. And Isaiah, on the spiritual side, has gotten to that point. He'd been looking to Uzziah. He'd been looking to, to, to an outside source, an earthly source, and God has removed that as He removed some things in your life, Brother Stanley, and He had to be dependent on the only thing that He could see, and that was God. Amen. And when God begins to strip things from our lives, He is not wanting to see what's next. He is not wanting us to see what's behind this wall, but He is wanting us to see Him. We took, Brother Jim started up here and he started taking all that out, and there was old wood, and my heart started jumping. I I like old people, I like old things, and I like old wood. I started looking at that old wood, I said, ooh, 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 that's pretty. 
that's pretty, and I got a plan for it. Begin to begin to look at that old wood, and I begin my mind began to race. Okay, what what can I do with this wood? What what should I do with this wood? But understand that old wood. That's not what I really had a vision of. My my vision is is not just this flat wall. My vision is just I, I'll just go ahead and take. I'm trying to find me a cross that we can put up there until we knock a hole in this and put a baptistry back yonder. I'm trying to find a cross that we can put up there, put a little light behind it, that when you turn this light on, it comes on and you can see your Bible from, from the pulpit. That's what I'm looking for, okay? Isaiah, something was removed. He could have seen the next king, which was, I think, Jothan or Jotham, which is Uzziah's son. He could have began to look at who was next. He could, he could have said, well, maybe let me go over to the king of Israel and see what he's doing. Instead, he saw the Lord. And God begins to move things from our lives. What we need, what we need is to see what Isaiah saw. The only thing that truly matters. And that's God. He saw God's position and he saw God's personality. Verse number two, verse number three. Above it. Now, now I'd love to take time to talk about this throne and this, this train filling a temple. Brother Samuel, we talked about this train and son, you helped me. Oh, me, I'd say blessed, but I, I, I can't take the time. It says above it, above what? Above this throne. Above this throne there stood seraphims. In a previous message I mentioned the word seraphim is plural in and of itself. But for whatever reason, God put an S on this. So it's almost a double plural. And in this, he said that there were, there were seraphims and each one had six wings. With twain or with two, they covered his face, they covered his feet. They covered, or they they flew with two. Verse number three. And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. Uh, Isaiah saw God's personality. These angelic beings, if you were these seraphims, they were in the temple and they were proclaiming, as it's mentioned there in verse number three, a thrice Holy God. Holy, holy, holy. But even these creatures were careful to honor the holiness and the purity of God. They were created to do this. They were created to do what they were doing in verse number 2 and verse number 3. They were created to cover their faces and to cover their feet and to fly and constantly, Brother Kenny, say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. That's what they were created for. And they could have been like some of those other angels and became prideful. And they could have said, You know what? We're created to do this. Why don't we just begin to... to Recognize one another's holiness. We don't see any sin that they've done. We've never done wrong. This is all we've ever done. We cover our eyes and 
We cover our feet and we, we fly around the throne of God and we cry out, holy, look at us. Look how special we are. But they did not do that. They cried out continually and I believe still are they there crying out, holy, holy, holy is the Lord. One writer said this, that the seraphim used four wings to express their humility as they covered their their head or their faces and their feet. And it says they used two wings to express their willingness and ability to serve God. Four wings for adoration, two wings for active energy, four wings to conceal themselves, two wings to occupy themselves. You see, today, he saw God's personality in that it was holy and something changed in him. We live in a society, y'all listen to me. We live in a society where everybody wants God to be their buddy. And and, and they want to link arms and and they just want to skip around and they want to sing some silly song and talk about how... God is their buddy and their pal. And, and he can, brother David, he can be a friend. But he is so much more than that. He is so much more. What word in your Bible is God. Hello. The object of worship. Here, I saw also the Lord high and lifted up. We see him as Adonai. You see, it is, it is this God that people so humanize that still demands worship. That still demands respect and utmost respect. But I'm thankful, and y'all help me, I don't remember where it is. I want to say it's in Hebrews, maybe chapter 13, I don't remember. He talks about us going boldly into the throne of God. As high lifted up as he is, he gives us, as the people of God, the ability to go into the throne room of God with boldness to seek the help that we need. He, 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 he saw God's personality. It do us good as a people to understand that God is holy. My dad's name is Ralph Eugene Burke. I was named after my grandfather, James, and then I took my daddy's middle name because my mama hated my granddaddy's middle name. <laughs> it was Earl, by the way. You glad she named me Eugene now? <clears throat> but I remember being in probably middle school and people start, that's when I started using the word James or using the name James, but I really didn't want to. That's what was on my school records, James E. Burke. And so the kids would every once in a while they'd start calling me James and I'd get mad. Because that's not what my mama called me. That's not what my dad, they called me Jamie. As far as I was concerned, that was my name, Brother Kurt. And as far as I was concerned, I didn't want people to call me James because of what it meant. I'm not talking about the biblical definition. I'm talking about my granddaddy, who was a drunk. Who hated, who despised. And I didn't want to be associated with that name. 
did one. Eventually, I kind of grew out of that. I started going by James. And I don't know if this still makes sense to y'all, but James is not really that important anymore. Eugene is of absolute no importance to me. <laughs> but it's that Burke. It's that Burke that's really important to me. Went to the eye doctor the other day and she said, Mr. Burks? I said, uh-uh. <laughs> no. There is no S. There is an E. Let's get it right. She said, oh, okay. And she said she fixed it and went downstairs to get my contacts. And she said, Burks, are you from here? I said, no. <laughs> Old girl said she was going to fix it. Let's fix it right now. I'll watch her do it. I said, what, is that? what does that matter? Years ago, for some, for whatever reason, probably when they were doing the handwritten um, census, they pluralized it. The Burks live here. And then it took the only one that did not take an S on the end of his name was my daddy. All of my uncles, all of my aunts, started going by the last name of Burks. So then it was weird. The Burkses live here. Okay? So I, I'm, I'm very thrilled that I have that unique name, even though it was their name all along, Burke. But even more so than that, Miss Denisha, it doesn't really apply. Because without my daddy, I wouldn't have anything. I couldn't be called a Christian without the love of the Father sending his son for me. There would be no reason for me to be a Christian unless Christ and God and the Spirit were all holy. I could live however I wanted. But because sometime years ago, I learned that God was holy. And I learned that Christ was holy. And then I learned that that third person, that spirit, was indeed named the Holy Spirit or the Holy Ghost. That was a drawing towards that. Until we realize the personality of God, we can't live a holy life. Y'all catch that? Mm -hmm. The reason that I don't go out and smoke and drink and, and run around on this side of the because my daddy taught me better than that. Now here's the funny thing. My daddy did smoke. He did drink. But he didn't want his boy to do those things. That was one of those do as I say, not as I do type situations. But the Holy Ghost is indeed holy. Jesus Christ died as the holy son of God with no spot, no wrinkle, no blemish. And God the Father, he always has been, he always will be. There, in him there is no shadow of turning. He does not one time sin. He remains holy from Isaiah's day to our day today. So my daddy may have instilled some sinless things in, or sinful things in me. Some of the words that he taught me as a young man, they still, still there. I catch myself doing things like my daddy every once in a while. It runs all over me. Because as a teenage boy, I'm like, oh, you're so, you're so stupid. 
why would you do that? And here I am. Now I'm 30 years beyond my youthful ignorance. I'm doing the same thing. Talking about silly things, like <laughs> just silly things, like just doing stuff. I mean, it makes no sense. Look, I've never done that. Why now? But all to be able to copy the holiness of God. <laughs> to be able to be able to know the personality of God so much that we want to be holy to please Him. I was listening to somebody the other day, and he, he said he said the phrase, and I've heard it for years. That I believe, let me get it right. Imitation is the best form of flattery. If you want to please God, be like God, holy. But until we re recognize the personality of God, until we until we move beyond Him being our buddy and pal, and realize that He is a holy God that created, that threw out the stars in place with one swoop of His hand, until we realize that. That it was God that breathed into Adam or breathed into dust and made Adam and he became a living what? Soul. Then our focus is on the wrong thing. We saw God's personality. I'm going to stop right there. Let me say this. We need to remember God is not only holy, but he is holiness. If you need to know an example of holiness, then look to God. I don't I don't know if we have a lot around here, but growing up, there was a holiness church on every corner. And those holiness ladies... And they kind of, kind of a mix between like the, the Mennonites and maybe a church of God or church of Christ. I'm not sure. You know, and they always wore those long, usually it was like jean skirts, you know, denim skirts, and they would have their hair up in a bow or a bun type thing. And uh, they believed in women preaching. I'm not talking about that type of holiness. I'm not talking about a faith or religion, if you will, denomination. I'm talking about true holiness. And if we want to know what it is, we've got to know God. We've got to feel that, Hunter, on the inside. When God says to do, or God says to don't. When God says go, when God says stay. I'll go just one little step further and say this. You can't even hear that voice inside. You can't even hear that voice inside unless you know him. Unless you know God. Unless you've experienced.